So we're going to get started with the teaching. I'm going to ask all of you to please take out your Bibles. Make sure you take out a pad, take out a notebook. We want you to take some notes, okay? It's not just listening to what I have to say. It's you diving deep and listening to what the Holy Spirit is whispering to your heart, okay? Make sure you're doing that because I can see you. You think you could only see me. I could see you too. So make sure you take out that Bible and that notepad too. So my first question, and feel free to post and to comment on the thread on YouTube and on Facebook. Maybe there's something I said, or uh, maybe you have more questions about something. Definitely you could um, make certain posts um, there because we'll get back to you. We might be able to answer you right away, or maybe after service we'll make a note and make sure you get the answers to your questions. And you could also let us know about your prayer requests. If you have a specific prayer request, we're here to pray for you. So if you comment any of that in the thread, We'll make sure we give that to our intercessors, our leaders, pastors, and elders to be able to stand in the gap and join you in prayer. So make sure that you do that. I want to start off by saying a simple question. Are you an animal lover? Are you an animal lover? So right now, some of you are like, yes, yes. Like you're, you're there watching this, and your dog is on your lap, or your cat is about to hit you with uh, their claw on your head, but you love animals. You're a big animal lover. Some of you are like, let me tell you something. Animals are great, you know, just to see at the zoo, and that's about it. You don't want to be close to any type of animal. Uh, obviously, there's different differences with that. But I know that you know that I'm a big, big, big animal lover. And I I think everyone knows, but just in case you don't, I'm going to show you a couple quick pictures first. The first one is Willow. This is my dog, Willow, my youngest one. And as you can tell, she has a toilet paper roll in her mouth. I've been looking for that toilet paper roll since she ran off with it. I have no idea where she put it. In a time like now, you know, it's necessary to have all the toilet paper rolls close by, as close as possible. So there you see my dog at a certain point having a, a little toilet paper roll, and only God knows, only God knows where she hid that roll. So maybe if any of my neighbors see me and I'm digging in the backyard trying to find a toilet paper roll, it might be because Willow dropped it off there. But that's little Willow. She's about a year and two months old. Now I'm going to show you another picture. The next picture is Jen at the beach. And there she is with Shadow and Icy. Icy's no longer with us anymore. Um, But Shadow is there. But you get an idea of the dogs that we've had. So huskies, we know about, especially huskies. We know about dogs, huskies, we know about. Something else I know about when it comes to animals, and uh, when it comes to animals, I know about Eastwick squirrels. I know about the squirrels in the city of Elizabeth. The city of Elizabeth has these squirrels, and they're crazy. So some of these squirrels are straight up crazy. They, like, if you look at them, they might have like bazookas on them. They're always causing trouble. Squirrels we know about. You know about dogs. You know about cats, probably. You know about those Eastwick squirrels, too. But we also know about some other group of animals, too. The next one we know about very well, Broad Street Pigeons. Broad Street Pigeons. I know, you know, Broad Street Pigeons, I I was about to look back. I'm so used to having a screen. But you're looking at the picture on the live stream. Without question, Broad Street Pigeons, we all know about them very well. Some of us, more than others, because maybe they've dropped little gifts on you in your journey of life. But Broad Street Pigeons, if someone asks you about pigeons, I think you could tell them about like certain things you know about them. We all know a little bit about pigeons. We know a little bit about squirrels. You might know about dogs, and you might know about cats, but something we really don't know about too much, maybe you do, but I don't, is sheep. I don't know much about sheep. All I know is they're extremely adorable. So I'm going to put a picture there. Maybe it's up there already of a picture of a beautiful little sheep. Right now, this moment, I know for a fact that all of you wish that through the screen you could go there and pet that little sheep. That sheep is adorable, and I wish I could bring that sheep home, but I really can't have a sheep in the backyard. But they're adorable. But I have to be real. 
and transparent. I don't know much about sheep, and I believe that the majority of you watching through the live stream and the, like, two or three that might be here helping me doing this live stream have no idea of details about sheep. And today we're going to dive in because we're going to be talking about Psalm 23 today for the teaching. So you could turn to Psalm 23, and I want to let you know, and I know you know this already, Psalm 23 is the most famous psalm in the Bible. Everybody for the most part, knows Psalm 23. They either know it, they've heard about it, they've set, heard it mentioned at a different function or whatever it m- might be. Psalm 23 is a classic that we all know about. Something I want to let you know, though, before we continue. Psalm 23 was written by King David, but in the book of Psalms, so many times we think that King David wrote all the Psalms. He really didn't write all the Psalms. He wrote about 73 of the Psalms. 12 of them were made by David's worship leader. His name was Asaph. 50 of them are considered orphans. They're not 100% sure who wrote those Psalms. And just to give you an idea, Moses wrote one of them. And if you were part of the community group that we met this past Wednesday, you know that already. I was going to ask you, what Psalm did he write? Psalm 91, you you probably remember. So now we're going to dive into Psalm 23. And just to let you know, I'm going to be reading it from the New King James Version. Usually we read from NIV, but the reason why I'm reading New King James is because that is more the classic um, flow of verses that we all are used to. So here, if everyone turns to that in their Bible, we're going to start off and it says this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So that's Psalm 23, and in many Bibles, right above where it says Psalm 23, it says, the Lord, the shepherd of his people. And I, I want to even give you a title that you could give this psalm that maybe you've never really thought of ever before. And that title is Trusting God with Our Fears. So you could write that in your notes, Trusting God with our fears. Here, as we dive into Psalm 23, you'll see King David declaring victory over seven fears that he has in his life. Remember, he's King David, of course, and he's a poet, but he was a shepherd as well. So here, he had the experience and the knowledge of what it was to be a shepherd and to have sheep. You know, if, if he was here living in Elizabeth nowadays, maybe he would have had the same uh, experience, you know, dealing with the pigeons and the squirrels. But his thing was the sheep. And there's so much to Psalm 23. He's bringing symbolism that is deep, that we need to go deeper in to be able to understand and really grasp what he's trying to get across. Before we highlight and go into the seven fears that King David declared victory over. I want to highlight the way that he just starts it. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. So think about that. He makes it personal. He's like, the Lord is my shepherd. And what I wanted to say to every person that's watching right now, every single person has a shepherd, you could say something or someone that you fully trust and you put your confidence in. You know, it might be yourself. 
You just put all your trust and confidence in yourself. It might be in a family member. It might be in a political figure. It might be someone you know in the community. It might be your money, the money that you might have. It might be the possessions that you might have. It might be your 401k, and we know how things are right now, or the stock market. That's where you had your trust in. Whatever it is that I've mentioned, or there are so many other things that you could have trusted in that you put your heart and mind and soul and your confidence in. But here you see David say clearly, the Lord is my shepherd. And I'm asking you today, who's your shepherd? Who are you trusting? Who are you giving everything to? So we're going to move, uh, move on with, with, the, with the psalm. And I'm going to tell you the first fear that David declared victory over. It was the fear of not having enough. The fear of not having enough. There should be a slide. It should be right there for you to be able to see it too. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. So he's declaring victory over the fear of not having enough. Pretty much we need to realize that sheep are 100% dependent on their shepherd. So when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, he's saying, God, I am 150% dependent on you, and I shall not want. I'm not going to worry about things because I just know that you will provide everything that I need. So when each of us, when we go, let's say, even to the stores right now, and you know that you have stuff at home, but all of a sudden you see other stuff and that's, there's that whisper in you. It's like, hey, you got to trust yourself. Get as much as you can for yourself. Forget about everyone else. You know, just go grab it. That whisper is telling you, hey, trust in what you could do rather than trust in God to provide. If God is your shepherd, you shall not want. And that's a declaration that you need to make over that fear that tries to cripple you, telling you that you're not going to have enough. God is going to provide. We don't know how or where or how he's going to do it, but God is going to come through. He hasn't abandoned you up to this moment. Why is he going to start now? If you look back in your life and you see the patterns of the way that he's pulled you through time and time again from so many different storms, why is this storm going to stop him? No storm could ever stop God Almighty. So you need to trust him with all of your heart and make sure that he is your shepherd. Being content with God and knowing that he will take care of you. He's for you. We sang it this morning. He is for you, and he's watching over each and every one of us. The second fear that I want you to write down that David declared victory over is the fear of getting blindsided and attacked. The fear of getting blindsided and attacked. I know each of us, we don't like being blindsided. When a curveball comes to our lives, we don't like that. Most people like routines. Most people like things predictable. You know your schedule. You know how to do things. You know where to go. You know what to see. All of a sudden, all of us, we've been blindsided, you could say, when it comes to the things that have happened. Or you could say we've been attacked. Some of us physically or emotionally or mentally or spiritually. So here, David is saying a declaration over victory, over the fear of getting blindsided and attacked. And I'll explain why. He says about his shepherd, Jesus, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, something we need to realize and this is something I didn't know. I had to do a little research because I told you, I don't know about sheep. I know about dogs, you know, cats, you know, the brossary pigeons and stuff, but I don't know about sheep. Something about sheep is that sheep will only lay down if they don't sense any danger. If they don't sense any danger, that's when they're going to lie down. And the other reason they'll lie down is when they're full, when they have enough food. If they don't have food or they feel danger, they won't lie down. 
to a cer- certain degree, that almost sounds like, uh, like me sometimes. If I'm hungry, like, it's hard for me to lay down. Like, Jen will see me going downstairs, like, in the middle of the night. It's like, well, yo, what you doing? It's like, get a little midnight snack. You know, I like to go to sleep feeling full. Just like those little sheep, the little ovejitas, they're so cute. You know, they're cuddly. You know, like, we just know that just with them, they'll only lay down when they don't sense danger and when they have enough food. So here in the verse, it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. It means that God, that David is trusting God, that he's going to give him victory over the fear of being blindsided or attacked because God's going to help him lay down. And being green pastures, green so that the, the, the sheep is able to eat, he'll have plenty to eat. Something else that we need to realize too about sheep is that the reason sheep don't like to get blindsided or attacked is because they're not athletic. They're agile, but they're not athletic. And also, if they fall down to their side and upside down, they can't get up. That sounds a little bit like me sometimes too, but that's a whole different story. Okay, that... <laughs> The, Pastor Harold was laughing here a little bit. Um, the one person that's inside church right now. Um, so, so right there, for us to realize, when sheep fall down and fall on their back, they can't get up. So there, that term is called cast down. So when there's a shepherd looking for their sheep and they can't find their sheep, they automatically assume that they fall into their side and they're not able to go up. So they literally, the sheep have to wait for the shepherd to make their way to them to lift them up. So that's just to give you an example of how dependent the sheep is to the shepherd. Are we that dependent to God as well? So here, number two, David make a declaration of victory over the fear of getting blindsided and attacked. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Fear number three, you could write down. The fear of never finding peace or rest for your soul. The fear of never finding peace or rest for your soul. Right now, this moment, how's your peace? How's your rest? And I'm not talking about physically because, because pretty much almost all of us were home more. You might feel like you might rest a little bit more. Some of you are like, I'm not resting. The kids are driving me crazy. But it's like when you think about it, the fear of never finding peace or rest for your soul, I'm talking about the peace and rest really of your heart, mind, and soul and spirit. How are you doing with that? Are you troubled? Are you like going through this time period, and you don't have peace at all. Here, all of a sudden, David wanted to make a declaration and victory over um, this fear of never finding peace and rest for your soul. He says this in Psalm 23. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. Something we need to realize with sheep is that sheep have, first of all, they have a hard time looking for water. So they're dependent on the shepherd to guide them to the water. And also, the water has to be still. They won't go near rushing water because they're afraid that the rushing water will take them away. So they'll only approach still water, calm water. And that's when the sheep feel comfortable and feel restful and feel refreshed. So here all of a sudden, the shepherd David is saying, it's like, hey, God, the same way the sheep find rest and get refreshed from drinking water and find peace just seeing still water, we want you to bring that to his soul and our soul as well. So this is a declaration he's making over the fear of never finding peace and rest for your soul. He says, God, God leads me besides the still still waters. He restores my soul. Moving on, we're going to go to fear number four. The fear of making wrong decisions. I don't know about you, but so many times we feel as though it's like, you know, what decision today uh, do I make? Where do I go? Um, should I do this or do that? Right now, too, there's so many different areas we might be getting impacted in, and we're trying to make decisions. 
The sheep are 100% dependent on the shepherd. And here, David declares victory over the fear of making wrong decisions as he shouts out in Psalm 23, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. For his name's sake. So he leads me in the paths of righteousness. Right now, you might not know where to turn. You you might not know what to do with the decisions you have. Instead of allowing those pretty much circumstances overwhelm you and like cause all this grief to you, you need to rely on God, trust God. Because here David is saying in Psalm 23, God is the one that's able to lead you. And not only lead you, but lead you in the paths of righteousness. And something we need to realize with the sheep, sheep are creatures of habit. A lot of times it's like they just do the same thing over and over and over again. If you leave a sheep there, they'll just go in the same exact trails over and over again without any guidance. Some of us are just like that. Some of us are just like sheep. Some of us just go with the same routine every single day. Some of us go down the same paths and we wonder how come things aren't different. Right now with the circumstances we're going through, I'm going to even tell you something that you could do that could change your life forever is every single day deciding to get on your knees and pray and spend time with God. Because I guarantee you that right there, that moment that you lock yourself in your bedroom and you spend that alone time with God, praying, reading God's word, going deeper into his presence, you might feel as though it's like, you know, it's like what, like in the back of your mind, it's like, you know, I don't have time for that. Now you definitely have time for that. You definitely have time for that. But those 15 minutes, those 30 minutes, those, that hour that you spend with God will change everything in your life, and it'll cause a ripple effect, like a domino effect of blessing, not only in your life, but in your family's life, your children's life, in your neighborhood, in your community, in the city of Elizabeth. Right now in this moment too, we're praying for God to flatten the curve here in Elizabeth, in New Jersey, throughout the state, throughout the country, for God to move and to flatten the curve. I believe that we serve the God of miracles. I believe that if we would humble ourselves, get ourselves on our knees and pray and stand in the gap, we would see miracles where God would move powerfully and we wouldn't see the devastation that the news is predicting. In the end of the day, God is the one that's in control. He's the one that's sitting on the throne. And the last I checked, he didn't walk off his throne and give it to anyone else. He's still sitting on his throne. But we need to humble ourselves, acknowledge that he's our shepherd, acknowledge that he's our king, and trust him like never before, and pray like never before. We need to change the way we pray. Pray for the miracles to happen. Believe God for the impossible because God is the God of miracles and he's waiting to partner with us through our prayers to do the things that he wants to do through this community and through pretty much this world. More than ever before, our eyes are looking around wondering where to go or what to do. More than ever before, because of what's happened, everything we've tr- the world has trusted in has been stripped away. Now is the time for us Not only believers, but those that don't have a relationship with God. You might be watching this right now, and you don't have a relationship with God. You might be watching this right now, and you don't feel, you feel super far away from God. You know, it's not like this formula to get close to God. You don't have to memorize the Bible to get close to God. You don't have to go to church every Sunday. Obviously, there's really no one right here with, with me, just Pastor Harold sitting there pretty much. You know, you don't have to go to church every Sunday. Right now, this moment, you need to just open your heart and start talking to him. Open your heart and surrender your heart to him. And as you draw close to him, he'll draw close to you. He's waiting for you. What are you waiting for? God, this life is short for all of us, all of us. In the Bible, it says it's like a vapor. You see it, then it's gone. We need to draw close to him while we're able to. And today is the perfect day to be able to do that. The fifth fear, you could turn, uh, you could start writing in a second. I have my Christ Fellowship mug here. Maybe you could see that there in the camera. 
The fifth of fear that King David declared victory over is the fear of darkness overwhelming your life. The fear of darkness overwhelming your life. I don't know if that sounds familiar, but with everything that we're going through, I know that there's so many people that fear that darkness overwhelming our lives. To the, up to this point, it's overwhelmed pretty much the whole world already. But we even fear of it even getting worse for us personally, for us in our families, in the community. And here, King David said, you know what? I declare victory over that fear. I'm not going to let that fear of darkness overwhelming my life paralyze me. I'm going to declare victory over it because I trust the God that does miracles and does the impossible. So all of a sudden he says this in Psalm 23. um, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Think about that. He just says, I will fear no evil. Not even a little bit. Not even like like a, a small amount. No evil at all, he makes his declaration. For you're with me. He knows who's with him. If you truly know who's with you, there's no reason to fear. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So here, through this psalm, he's doing a declaration of victory over that fear. A couple things I want to highlight. You might wonder, what is the shadow of death? There... The real, the true root meaning to that means darkness, means darkness. So you could easily say, it's like, though I walk through the valley of darkness. And right now, if you're going through that valley, some of us, you know, maybe physically you might feel certain symptoms and you're worried or concerned that it might be the corona or or maybe you got diagnosed and you know that you do have it. Whatever the situation might be, or maybe emotionally, you feel lonely, you feel depressed, no matter what you're going through, the valley of darkness that you're feeling right now. All of a sudden, here King David said, though I walk through the valley of darkness, I will fear no evil, for you're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Something I want to highlight real quick is this. He says, walk through. He doesn't say, though I get stuck in the valley of darkness. You're not going to get stuck. This too will pass. You will walk through the shadow uh, of death, the valley of shadow of death. So here we know that God's going to bring us through it. God's going to bring us through it. You will have a testimony just in a, like hopefully a month or two that how God saw you through everything. And all of a sudden, the miracle was so tangible that you wouldn't be able to stay silent because you want the whole world to know. Something else I want to highlight in the verse, it says, the valley of the shadow of death. For there to be a shadow of death, for there to be a shadow, there has to be light. You can't have light without a shadow, you know, you can't have a shadow without light. So here, in the midst of your darkest moment, God is still there. God's still walking through it with you. God hasn't gone anywhere. God hasn't disappeared. God is walking through there. For there to be a shadow, there has to be light. God is there in the midst, shining brightly in the midst of the darkness. What happens is that our eyes, hearts, and minds gets fixed on the darkness, and we get overwhelmed with the darkness, and all of a sudden we just need to look to the side, and God's light is shining brightly in our lives. Change the way that you're looking at your life. Change the, what you're fixing your eyes on. Focus on God like never before. And then he says this, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod, your rod, God's rod there, well, a shepherd's rod is used for protection. A shepherd's rod is used for protection to pretty much hit off wolves. Uh, You know, something we could relate more because how we were talking to animals. Chupacabras, you know what I mean? Like if there's like a little chupacabra trying to attack your sheep, you better hit it with that rod. You know, then all of a sudden the shepherd has the rod to protect their animals. So all of a sudden what David's saying, hey, my shepherd, my shepherd God has a rod. 
And when there's enemies, when there's people trying to attack, all of a sudden, my shepherd is going to defend me. My trust is in my shepherd. He's going to take out the rod and he's going to defend me from the evil that's trying to get close to me. And at the same time, he not only has a rod, but he also has a staff. The shepherd would use his staff to gather the sheep close to each other. Right now, this moment, the shepherd's using the staff to bring us all closer to one another, even through live stream right now. He's using the staff. And he uses the staff also to help us get lifted up. Some of us, we feel that we've fallen. And some of us feel like we can't get up emotionally. And we, we need to realize that God is there to lift you up, no matter what you're going through. And something else that he uses the staff for, the shepherds, is to guide us. So right now, this moment, no matter what you're going through, God is with you, walking through this valley of darkness. And his rod is going to defend you, and his staff is going to guide you and lift you up whenever you start slipping. But you need to trust your shepherd, because he's holding the rod and the staff, and he's not going to let you go. And he's for you. So we're going to move on. We're almost done. We have two more fears to highlight. Number six is this, the fear of being destroyed by your enemies. The fear of being destroyed by your enemies. Here King David is making a declaration. It's like, it's like you know what, God? You will give me victory over my enemies. But obviously he's saying that because deep down inside, he's hearing whispers of the fear that he wants victory over. The whispers that his enemies are going to defeat him. Then all of a sudden, God leads him to pen this psalm. And he makes this declaration of victory that God is going to give him victory over all the enemies that he might have. So here, the number six, the fear is the fear of being destroyed by his enemies. So what's the declaration that King David makes? I love this one. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So here to declare the victory that he has over the fear that's whispering in his heart. He said, God, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now think about it, preparing a table for you. I think all of us, we love when, not now, you got to stay home. Don't be going out visiting anybody, all right? You know, you, normally you like when you're able to go out, visit someone, and when you visit somebody, all of a sudden they have like a three, four course meal for you. You know, they've prepared a table before you. So imagine, like I couldn't even imagine myself like sitting down and I'm going to be good to start off, like for appetizer to give you like a little salad, like if I was a little conejo, like a little, uh, I was going <laughs> to stay a rat, a little rabbit, like a little rabbit. I was going to eat like a little salad. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to be good. I'm going to start off with a little salad, a little carrots, little, those little tomatoes that I like and stuff like that. So I love salad and then they take that away from you. Then all of a sudden they come back and they give you a little pernil there with arroz con gandule y plátano maduro with tamales and with yuca. You know what I mean? All of a sudden they start hooking you up. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden you have that delicious food and you eat that and they take that course uh, away from you. And then all of a sudden they bring you something. I have to bring you dessert. We can't forget about dessert. And uh, I know we're doing social distancing. Please pray for your pastor that does social distancing from the refrigerator because that refrigerator be calling me almost every day. Be like, Carlos, come. It's not lunch. It's not breakfast. It's not dinner. But he's like, come, Carlos, get a little snack. So uh, Jen is praying too. Jen is praying real hard for her husband. So, um, so here, imagine for dessert, you have arroz con gandula. Oh, arroz con gandula. I'm still thinking of arroz con gandula. You have a rice pudding. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, you have some flan. You have some cheesecake or some banana bread. My sister, by the way, on a side note, Rosie, you make amazing banana bread there. Um, so banana bread, you're having dessert. So right now I've made many of you hungry. Hopefully you're still listening to the teaching. You didn't get up to go to the refrigerator, okay? But here, you know what it means when someone prepares a table before you. Here King David said that God is going to prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So something that's really cool too is that 
The enemies are not going to be eating from his table. They're just in his presence. So they just get to see what God is doing in the person's life. So they don't get to eat from the table. The enemies are at a distance, but in the presence of the enemy, in the presence of those that want to destroy him, God's going to set up a table, give a five-course meal. Let's make it even better, a ten-course meal. And through that whole time period, his enemies are just going to be surrounded, not being able to touch David, not being able to do nothing to King David. They're just going to be able to stand in his presence and watch King David eat the course, the meals that God himself prepared for him. So for all of us that are watching, we need to trust God that God's going to protect us from our enemies. Not just our physical enemies, but our spiritual enemies. Whatever enemy you might have, just know when God's your shepherd, he's taking care of you. He's going to give you a full seven-course, ten-course meal. And the enemy, as much as they wish they could get close and touch you and get so close and steal a little bit of that pernil off your plate, they're not going to be able to touch that pernil or get close to you at all. We have an amazing God that protects you. As you can tell, I love my pernil, but I don't have none at home, okay? So here, we're going to go into the seventh fear, the fear of being depressed and tormented. The fear of being depressed or, and tormented. So here, King David is, and you could tell like he, he probably was struggling with fears of being tormented and feelings of being depressed. And as he's writing this psalm, he's making this declaration so that his heart, he wrote this psalm, God led him of course, but really it was to encourage his own heart and soul. And how Pastor Harold mentioned earlier too, it's like we need to encourage ourselves as well. So here, here he makes this and he says this, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. So here he's making a declaration and you might be wondering, okay, he anoints our head with oil, our cup overflows. What does that have to do with being depressed or tormented? If we knew more about sheep, If we knew more about shepherds, shepherds would get oil and anoint their sheep on their heads and their faces and sometimes even pour the oil over their heads to the overflow. And you might think it's it's just for a spiritual reason. No, no, not just for a spiritual reason. The reason why he would do that is because the oil would prevent bugs and mosquitoes and attacking the sheep. Because there were certain bugs and mosquitoes that would try to creep into the sheep through their nasal cavity or through their ears and could cause infections almost to the point of death as well. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden the shepherd would come and pour oil over the sheep to protect them from the spiritual, I mean the bugs, the mosquitoes that they might encounter in the physical sense. But think about us spiritually. We need God to come before each of us and pour his presence like oil from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. Because we want God to protect us with his presence from the spiritual bugs, the spiritual mosquitoes, the demonic forces that want to torment you and bring you to depression. You need to realize that this is a spiritual war as well. And I believe that God's presence is powerful as he pours his oil over you, his presence over you. It could protect you from everything that the enemy would want to harm you with, even this crazy virus that we're dealing with now. God is greater than the coronavirus. God is greater than everything that we could ever think of. Everything that might bring fear to our lives, God is greater. But where's your trust Where's your trust? You need to trust God like never before. So here, after making these seven declarations, after he made these declarations over the fears that were creeping inside David's heart, he says this, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Not just some days. Not just on weekends when I would normally go to church. He says, every single day, all the days of my life, 
And I will dwell in the house of the Lord, not just one day, not just for a couple weeks, not a couple months, not a couple years, forever, forever. So after he made all those declarations, he finishes off by saying that. Now, something I want to highlight here is the word follow me in that psalm means chase after me. It's not just all of a sudden it's like God's blessing is slowly walking uh, like after you. No, God's blessing is chasing after you chasing after you. God is pouring his blessings over your life, and they chase after you. And then all of a sudden, too, something to realize is there, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. A lot of times when we read this, we might think dwelling in God's house forever. It's, oh, this is when I pass away in the future. I'll be forever with God. No, 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 no. Dwelling in God's house starts today. Dwelling in God's house starts right now. Dwelling God's um, um, house starts with you making the decision to posture your heart, position your heart in a place of surrender, and just give God everything and be connected to God and live in God's presence every single day, every second, every minute, every hour, and giving Him everything. And I want to highlight, I know we're doing Psalm 23, but in Psalm 91, as a reminder— It says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Whoever dwells, it's not for everyone that's going to find rest. If if you choose to dwell, daily dwell. In Psalm 91, 9 and 10, it says, if you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. If you make, if you make him your dwelling. Is God your dwelling? Is he? Or is he just someone you know about? Is is he just someone that you hear other people talk about? Is he someone that you had a relationship with when you were young? Today is the day to give God your entire heart. I want to share with you a picture real quick of someone that I know. His name is Benson. And the picture should be up. Benson is a Maasai warrior. He's a Maasai warrior from Kenya, and when Jen and I went to Kenya, we were able to meet him. And he was amazing, an amazing, amazing person. We love him so much. We actually talked to him through our WhatsApp app, um, and I think it's so cool. It's like oh, we, we talk often to the Maasai warrior, a Maasai warrior from Kenya. Like, you know, we talk to him. And he's an amazing person. And even I sent him a message letting them, with the link of this YouTube, the service, hoping that even from Kenya, that he's able to tune in. So Benson, if you're watching, maybe now or maybe afterwards as this video is recorded, we just want to let you know that we love you. We're praying for you and your family. We're praying for Kenya. We're praying for Africa. Just we're praying for the whole world. And I just want to share and thank you for impacting our lives so much during our trip. And here he is, Benson. He's a warrior. I'm talking about my boy has spears. He has swords. Like, he could kill things. Like, you know, he's, he's, you know it's, it's a little different uh, in Kenya than in Elizabeth. You know, he is truly a warrior. But he's also a shepherd, too. He takes care of his animals. And one time he shared a story with Jen and I that we were blown away, but this is just going to give you an example of the love a shepherd has for his animals. All of a sudden, he's sharing how he was inside his house, and he hears one of his animals screaming. And he came outside, and they all of a sudden, to his surprise, he sees a lion attacking his animal. What would you do in that type of situation? A normal person, you could say, like, we're like, nah, chill, I'm not going to get involved. <laughs> Lying an animal, let them take care of that. You know what I mean? It's like you probably run back inside your house. Imagine if you were just a hired person to take care of the animals. You're like, I'm not going to get in between this. It's like, yo, one less. Benson, when he was sharing this story, he, he just said, I was so angry. 
He said, I was so angry. That's exactly how he said it. Very direct. I was so angry when I saw that lion attacking my animal. And all of a sudden he says, which I was shocked when he said that. He said, I grabbed my sword and I went straight to the lion. He went straight to the lion. He went straight to the lion and he stabs the lion in the heart. And in the midst of him stabbing the um, lion, the lion came and actually with his claw ripped his stomach, like um, pretty much scarred him there. He has the scars that he showed me. He ripped his stomach to the point that he had to be rushed to the hospital. And rushing people to hospital there is very different than rushing people here. Literally, they had to put him in a wheelbarrow and take him to the hospital as fast as possible. But here he is sharing this story, and he killed the lion. He stepped in between danger and the animal he loved because he was the shepherd. He was willing to do whatever it takes to lay down his life if he had to, to protect an animal, and he was willing to do whatever it takes, run full speed at a lion. We have a shepherd just like that. We have a shepherd that's ran full speed and he went to a cross. And he did die on the cross to pay the ultimate sacrifice for our sins so that we could have a relationship with God. We have an amazing shepherd that anytime there's danger around, anytime, whatever type of danger it might be, it might be physical, it might be a virus, it might be any type of danger, all of a sudden that shepherd, that amazing shepherd that we have, when he sees danger coming near you, he's not going to sit back and stay home and not do anything. He's going to run full speed ahead to protect you from that danger. Because that's what a shepherd does. A shepherd watches over his sheep. In John chapter 10, verse 11, it says this. Jesus said this himself. He said this himself. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus said himself, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for you. And we know that Jesus died on the cross. You, you, we shouldn't ever doubt for a second that he's like not wanting to defend us or get involved or to answer our prayers or to be in our midst during this time period. We shouldn't doubt for a second because we have a good shepherd. Think of King David, how he starts his declaration. The Lord is my shepherd. Who are you declaring to be your shepherd? Is it the Lord? Because today it should be the Lord. I'm just going to take a moment right now, and we're going to close in prayer. And when we close in prayer, after we're officially done here, I am going to ask every person watching with their families to... Every person watching, every person watching with their families, to be able to, um, for them to, as a family, to read Psalm 23 and make it a declaration, make it a declaration over their family, over their city, over their neighborhood, over our state. I want you to declare it because it's not so much for you just to read it. It's not so much for you to listen to this teaching. It's for you to apply it. Do you really believe what I'm even saying? Do you believe what God, God's word says? Because this is, it's not what I said. This is God's word. Psalm 23, you could read it. You've read it many times. But are you going to apply it? So we're going to close in prayer. And after we close in prayer, after we close in prayer, I want to give you the opportunity for everyone to, as a family, to read Psalm 23, just e each of you, the parents, gather your children. Even if they're not watching this, tell them to come from their bedroom. Everyone as a family to stand and pray, okay? So right now, as we close in prayer of the service, I'm going to ask everyone to stand up. 
everyone to stand up right now in your living room, if you're in your bedroom, if you're in your attic, wherever you are watching this live stream, everyone stand up. We're not going to be holding hands. We're not going to be holding hands, but we're standing in unity so if everyone could bow their heads. Father God, right now, we make a declaration that you are our shepherd. You are our shepherd, God. God, you are the good shepherd that looks after us. You're the good shepherd that picks us up when we fall. You're the good shepherd when we're not feeling well. You're the good shepherds when the enemies are coming. You're good, the good shepherd whenever the storm and the torment is coming. You're the good shepherd whenever the bad news is coming. You're the good shepherd no matter what the circumstances I might be in. I will fear no evil because your rod and your staff, they're with me, God. You walk with me, God. Whenever any danger might come, God, you lift that rod and you protect us, God. You don't leave us as orphans. You protect us with your staff. You bat away the enemy. You bat away the demonic forces. You bat away everything that's not of you, God, that's trying to infiltrate our lives. But God, you also have a staff. Shepherd, we ask you to draw us closer, God. Some of us have been really far away from you. We ask you to draw us closer to you even right now. That you would draw us closer. Even if we've known you for decades, maybe we've drifted far away from you. Shepherd, with your um, staff, draw us closer even now. Closer than ever before. We surrender to your heart. We surrender to you our minds, our soul, our spirits, our bodies, God. We surrender to you our families, God. We surrender to you our city, God, our neighborhoods, God. We surrender to you this state, God. We surrender to you this country, this world, God. God, we pray that you would have mercy on this world, God. God, we pray, God, that you would have mercy on us, God. God, we pray, Lord God, that you would just pour your deliverance, that you would pour your presence throughout the streets of our country, Lord God, throughout the streets of our city, state, and world, Lord God. God, that your presence would be tangible and united right now as we're standing throughout so many homes throughout the county, Lord God, and state. God, we stand in the gap, and we pray, Lord God, that you would flatten the curve God, we pray that you would bathe us with your blood. God, we pray that you would protect us with your presence. God, we pray that you would send your angels around our households. God, our families, Lord God, our cities, Lord God, our state, country, and the world, God. God, that you would protect us, Lord God. Hear the cry coming from our hearts. We realize we need, we need you, and we choose to make you our dwelling place. We choose to make you our dwelling place. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for tuning in. And just know that through the post, you'll see different things. We're going to be updating you on all the different things that's happening. Throughout the week, we have so many things you could connect to. And just in case you want to also give, if you're part of the church, your tithes and offerings, you could follow the link. You could do that. If you're not part of our church and you want to support what we do, you could give as well. But either way, just know that we're here to love you, to care for you, to support you, and do everything we can as a church to stand by, uh, stand by your side every step of the way as well. God bless you. Love you.